Hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome to the Active Duty Passive Income Podcast. We have another amazing episode coming up, an awesome guest. But before I introduce him, I got a couple public service announcements to make. Uh, one of them, a congratulations to Jill Campbell. Jill Campbell from California, congratulations on closing on your first property. You and your family did well. Uh, we spoke a little bit about it on our impromptu coaching call today. If you were in the Facebook group and you saw me post out a Zoom link, I'm going to be doing that uh, a little bit now randomly. I'll have some impromptu free coaching calls that you guys can enjoy. Um, I'm not going to say when I'll do it, but I will definitely give a little more notice. I was just, just so happened to be on Zoom for the night, and I figured, hey, I'll toss it up in the link. Um, but hey, you know what? I'm gonna I'll probably give maybe like twelve hours notice, a little impromptu coaching call for those who can make it great. For those who can't, hey, there's always maybe next time. Or you can sign up for priority and you can get two of those coaching calls every single month. All right, so there's a good compromise there. It's completely up to you. But um but hey, anyway, uh also if you are in the Hampton Roads area, really the Virginia area at all, Virginia, North Carolina, uh, come on up to Norfolk. We are going to have a military house hacking seminar on April 5th, all right? It's a Friday, and it's going to be from 6 to 8. It's going to be a great time. If you can get up there uh, and you happen to escape base early enough and you can go out and check it out, it's going to be awesome. We'll have some refreshments. Again, it's April 5th. That's a Friday, and it's going to be from six, all right, or eighteen hundred to twenty hundred for you military types out there. All right, we're going to have an awesome time. You're going to learn how to use your VA loan, right? You're going to learn how to buy right, and you're going to we're going to deep dive some of the awesome strategies that we talk about in our book. It's going to be absolutely amazing, and we're going to have a local professional in the area who's going to talk to us as well about it. His name is Alex Winfield, and we're actually going to get him on the podcast as well. So I can't wait to uh, to have this event. It's going to be an awesome time. Looking forward to seeing you out there. If you do want to come and you're in the area or you're traveling to the area, TDY or anything like that, make sure you click on the link in the show notes page. We've got an Eventbrite link for it. And uh, yeah, hope to see you there. All right. Well, without further ado, let's start the show. Hey, hey, Freedom Fighters. Welcome to the Active Duty Passive Income Podcast, the only place where military members, veterans, and their families learn how to build wealth through real estate investing. I'm your host, Mike Foster, and I'm here to show you how to stop wasting your benefits. Now get off your ass, step up to the firing line, and make ready for today's lesson. Shooter, stand by. Hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome to the Active Duty Passive Income Podcast. All right, I am so, so excited to have Gary here. He is an amazing guy. Gary Pinkerton, not only is he a Naval Academy grad, but he is also a real estate investor, and he's got an amazing tool that he is going to share with you guys today. Gary, how are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Yeah, and I graduated, I think it was like a year before you, right? 1991, wasn't that about? That, yeah, that was pretty about, close. Right, close, <laughs> close enough. <laughs> I'm, I'm really looking forward to being on your show. It's a lot more fun sitting in this seat. Actually, I enjoy being host, but man, it's more fun sitting on this side. 
Oh, man, I believe it. And for those of you who don't know, Gary just had me on his show, the Heroic Investing Podcast, and you definitely need to go check it out. There will be links to that in the uh, show notes page as well. Um, but, you know, thank you so much for what you do, Gary, for giving back and, and really, you know, communicating the, the message of real estate investing with the folks out there that need it the most, I think. Right. Absolutely. An underserved community, so we are, yeah. we are doing it. But, uh, Go ahead. I'm sorry. I was going to say, it's hard to be in the military. I mean, you're feeling the same thing. I mean, you're, you're obviously have dedicated your life solely to doing that. Uh, and, you know, active duty passive income. I've, I've interviewed everyone almost who uh, is a member of your amazing team. And, um, uh, you know, and, and obviously you guys are very devoted to that. But it's really hard for any of us who have retired or have served in any manner to not want to, you know, have a, a, you know, pull at your heartstrings when things like veterans opportunities come up to be able to help other people out or, or active duty. Um, I can remember, you know, when we would go downtown New York City, we used to do the Army Navy game at Giant Stadium before they tore down, tore down the old stadium. And that's when they were building Lincoln Financial, I guess, in Philly. Right, right, right. And, and we would go downtown and I mean, we would get absolutely plastered and not pay a penny for anything and, you know, free meals and everything like all, especially if you came across a place where there were other, you know, where there were veterans or people who had served and when the greatest generation were the people lying in the bars at the time, uh, you know, that wasn't hard to do. Um, so, you know, we all want to give back and, uh, you know, podcast is a great way to do it. Um, yeah. so you know, I'm really enjoying myself, really. I was just kind of kidding. I, I love every time I get an opportunity to talk with people, um, veterans, um, first responders, whatever. It's a good time. Absolutely. It really is. And you do an amazing job at it. So make sure you guys go and check out this podcast because it is, yeah, thanks. It is impressive. Um, so Gary, can you tell us a little bit about your background? Maybe how yeah. your enable career a little bit and then how you got started in real estate investing? Yeah, you know, some people join the the Navy or join, go to the Naval Academy having it, having it been a lifelong dream, and that was just not me. I, uh, I I grew up in the Midwest on a farm. I really loved being an entrepreneur. I didn't I didn't know what that word meant back then. Uh, I really loved though the time that I had on the farm with my dad. Uh, you know, you know, building little businesses, and we were like a total. Um, you know, we, we would start a business on a, on a moment's notice because there was a need out in the community and, and we thought we could get paid for it. And so we did all kinds of stuff on that farm. Um, we had welders and we had, you know, all kinds of equipment. So it wasn't hard to pretty much manufacture anything the community needed. And we would do that. Uh, and I can just remember, you know, learning the aspects of, man, if I spend time doing this or I spend some intellectual property and create something new that people value, um, I get paid for it. So I kind of had that intellectual, that um, entrepreneurial spirit. Um, there was this, there's this time when I was, well, I mean, bef before I get to this time, let's, let's go to, why'd I go to the Naval Academy? Um, <laughs> so, you know, this was the late eighties and um, we were, you know, we were just, our farm was getting swamped and just getting destroyed by high interest rates. Um, mm -hmm. And so basically we got foreclosed on and lost the farm and, and we did get to sell it technically on our way out the door. Um, but it was, you know, this is a longer story that, that I'll tell, tell everyone one day, but, uh, I didn't, I knew that there was no future in farming at the time, not with the interest rates the way they were. Um, I loved the community, but there were just no jobs in Illinois either. And, or at least where I was in Southern Illinois. So I had to get out of the state and I had no money. And so I got a chance to go to university of Illinois and I got a chance to go to the Naval Academy and a couple of really good guidance counselors said, well, uh, kid, you don't know what the heck you want to do other than be an engineer. So why don't you go to the Naval Academy? Maybe something, you know, being halfway across the country will get you there. So I got on the second airplane I'd ever been on, went to the Naval Academy and, um, you know, and I, and I 
kind of liked it, but I really worked my tail off. Uh, and then right. in the end, um, I, you know, got an opportunity to be a Marine officer and to, um, to, to go submarine force, which seemed completely opposite. But to me, wow. I couldn't yeah. decide. I couldn't decide between the two because it was all about camaraderie, small, like having your own little company or unit, um, you know, and everyone knowing each other and being family. And I couldn't decide. So I went to this interview in DC and ended up becoming a submariner they chose for me. And so I did 26 years there. I had, a, you know, the, the incredible honor on my fourth ship to command uh, the USS Tucson and have my own, my own, um, you know, crew. And we just had a great time. Um, and in the end, I realized that my future after this was maybe a squadron of submarines, maybe, you know, being an admiral one day, but it was a lot of desk jobs and telling people what to do on their ship. And I just didn't feel like I could go back there. And it also lit this fire of entrepreneurship inside me that I just wasn't going to come back from. So I loved the Navy. I loved my time. Even my time in the Pentagon on the Joint Staff was just incredibly rewarding, mainly because of the people that I met there. My time at the Naval Academy, like I fought to try to get to two things in my career, to San Diego, California, and to the Naval Academy. And they said no repeatedly. And then at the, near the end of my career, I spent three of my last five years at the Naval Academy and the other two at the Pentagon. But that following two and a half tremendous years in command of Tucson, those are like eight amazing years. Um, but I knew that it was time for something different. And I got inspired about real estate, uh, mainly because while in command, I went through 2008 and nine, uh, was paying no attention, deployed most of that time and lost about, you know, three quarters of my family's wealth. And then a lot of it came back, thankfully, oh, no. by the time I was leaving command. But it really shook me because it took me back to that time when I kind of made this commitment that my kids were not going to grow up the way I did, even though, you know, looking back on it now, I realized that was probably the best childhood I could possibly have had, but I wasn't going to put, you know, I wasn't going to go through the pain I saw in my parents' face when they couldn't give their kids what they wanted, basically was it. So I said, this isn't going to happen. So I'm going to take more control of my finances. And I studied a lot and I read Robert Kiyosaki, like most people who are listening to your podcast and a bunch of other books. And I decided, you know what, real estate is something that kind of moves slowly and I can control. And so I was just going to take all my finances and move it out of the markets into real estate. And as I was waiting to close on that first one, I was trying to figure out how can I have less money down on properties? Because I saw that as the thing that was eventually going to slow me down and stop me on buying properties every few months. And uh, I came across Patrick Donahoe from Paradigm Life, who's now closest friend and, and mentor of mine and business partner with me. Um, and he taught me how to first store my family's wealth in life insurance, cash value, high cash value life insurance. You might have heard infinite banking. Mm -hmm. And use money, use that money, specifically borrow against it, use the insurance company's money to fund the down payments on my rental property. So I have Fannie Mae conventional loans on all of our 30 or 20 properties. And I have life insurance policy loans funding the down payment. It's the only way in, in America after 2008 that Fannie Mae will let you or that the government will let you um, fund the down payment with somebody else's money. And so I just kind of propagated that. And after about three years of doing it, I realized, man, now I know what I want to do because it lit that entrepreneurial fire for uh, being interested in personal financial <laughs> management. Um, I've done a whole lot of self-improvement work here, you know, in the last few years. And what I've realized is that what lights my fire is, you know, things like are in the book Atlas Shrugged. And it's about the America that our founding fathers uh, conceived, uh, you know, a world where there's rule of law, uh, um, but not an intrusive government beyond that. And, and so when you have, when you think of something, when, 
when Bill Gates, uh, you know, thinks of Microsoft, he can become, he can have all the, anything in life he wants because he's adding so much value to the world. I mean, we don't have any trillionaires right now, I don't think, but it's just because no one has created a trillion dollars with a, with a value yet. Um, they will one day. They will. So, so my goal is to help other people put in place passive income and real estate's a great option for that. It's not the only one, but it's the one I like. Um, because there's a lot of dimensions about that, that investment with taxes and leverage and all kinds of stuff, right? Um, it's a, it's an asset that no, that's not going to run out of style, right? Where everyone's going to have to sleep somewhere and they're going to pay you for it. Um, they may not need an office building, um, you know, but they need that. And, and so th there's a lot of things I like about it, but it's, for me, it's helping other people have the courage, uh, and have the resources and the knowledge to know how to put in place passive income so they can turn and aim their world at their unique genius and, and meaning that whatever they like to do, how about we focus on that, not working at McDonald's because we didn't figure out how to feed the family otherwise, you know, that's what I'm inspired about. <laughs> Long answer to where I came from. No, that's awesome. That is amazing. <laughs> and it is very inspiring. You know, just the fact that you learned and have been able to do so much with that along these roads. Yeah. That's impressive. Man. So, so, so can you tell us a little bit about your first deal? What was that like? Sure. You mentioned that you did infinity banking. Cool. Yeah. So I was listening to podcasts and there weren't a lot of them around in 2011, not like now. Um, and uh, so radio shows and podcasts and reading books while I was deployed. Uh, and I came across an opportunity to buy a new construction four unit building in Texas. Um, it was not an inexpensive early deal. But again, I was moving money, repositioning money that I'd saved for 20 plus years. Right. Um, and and so I was waiting on this thing to be built. I, I kind of did a little bit of due diligence, not a lot, uh, but I did due diligence on, you know, where's, where are people moving and what's the demographics. And I decided that at the time, Texas was a good market. And it certainly was, but it was near the end, actually, of, of Texas being a really solid, you know, best option over everyone else. Right. And I found San Antonio and, and it looked good and these properties were being built down there. So I, I put one in contract and um, so I didn't. You know, I didn't know anything about rehab. This is brand new construction. Since then, the majority of my properties have been rehab properties. Um, I've done predominantly turnkey stuff because I've went from being very busy in the military to being very busy and inspired with this personal financial um, wealth strategist role and life insurance role. And, and so I've never really gotten to where I thought I was going to go, which is personally taking care of my properties and personally finding properties and maybe even personally swinging hammers. I mean, I love to do that stuff, but I've kind of with all this work decided it's not my unique genius. So I've, I've predominantly worked with turnkey and um, nothing's turnkey. That's really a misnomer, right? I mean, if it was that easy, everyone would do it. You still got to pay attention. Um, but I've gone, I've sought out places like activity passive income before you guys were around uh, and trying to piece it together myself on lessons learned and surround myself with a community of people who, I can ask questions of, uh, but yeah, the first deal was a fairly expensive new construction four unit building that I still own. It's the only property that nearly bankrupt me at the beginning. Um, that's again, a story we won't go down here probably, but, um, it was, you know, the, the builder was building a product that shouldn't have been building during that period. And he was essentially already bankrupt when I met him and he was running a little Ponzi scheme of taking deposits from one person to, you know, get another one finished. Uh, and then, you kind of roll on that forward. Well, my timing was not good. The building did get finished, um, but 
he didn't pay for any of the um, any of the things that were required for the occupancy certification. So again, it's a really long story. But I lost a hundred thousand dollars in um, oh, income, no. income and um, damages. And um, there were there was this one point where a bunch of college kids got into the building and had some pretty tremendous parties, knocked through walls and stuff. Oh, and um, there was one code thing that we didn't. Uh, I, I couldn't prove was done. So the city had to come in eventually and knock down half my walls to prove that there was concrete between them. So it was a mess, but, um, almost caused me to quit, but it's also the only property I have today, eight years later, that actually is what Robert Kiyosaki would call an infinite return. So I've refinanced it last year and, uh, pulled out more than I put in as a down payment and, uh, it continues to cash flow tremendously. So, you know, I, my message for you is if you have a good asset and you um, just one aspect of it was bad, but the fundamentals are still there, stick with it. I mean, real estate's a long-term investment. Um, but you need to surround yourself with people who have been through similar kinds of Halloween horror stories, if you will. Um, because, um, you know, it, again, I was in, at this one, at one point I was on this island and I was looking around and my wife was not all that happy with my distance for new investment. And we were about to take soccer ball and go home and say, all right, well, I don't know what people are talking about with this real estate stuff, but we're out. This didn't work. And I know people have done that and it's really sad, you know, so surround yourself with people who can kind of, um, you know, buffer your emotional responses to this tenants and toilet stuff. Right. Right. That is so, so important. And that's something that we stress a lot, you know, Having education is great, right? Knowledge is power, but that action is authority. And you have to surround yourself with a network of individuals that will help you get through right? whatever, you know, horror stories, right? Like you said, that you may experience or even just to bounce advice off of, right? So Yeah, yeah. And, and to stay on your path and to reinforce your path uh, and to give you ideas about how to get, um, to get on, maybe optimized to a little bit better path. Because we're all going to, you know, as you go through your real estate investing world, you're going to reach stumbling blocks that you maybe can't get over. Maybe you change jobs and you don't have two years work history, so you can't get conventional loans. Or um, or maybe it's just that there's a major repair due on a building and it's the first time you've experienced that and you don't know if it's really true that the firm has got to get replaced. I mean, like, why is this dude telling me that this R22 stuff doesn't work, R, R114 stuff doesn't work anymore and I got to spend $800 or $8,000 or whatever to replace this, you know, why don't I just recharge it, right? So, right. you know, you got to have people that you can call and ask, you know, questions and bounce stuff off of. And the other thing is like what Jim Rohn says and, you know, it's in a lot of different self-help books, but, you know, be careful who you surround yourself with, right? You know, you're the sum total of the people that you're around and the reason is because, um, you know, that, that whole concept about guard what goes into your head, like what you allow into your mind because it, it you know, affects your subconscious and it forces you down passage. You're not even paying attention. You're headed down. That's right. That's so true. Amazing. Can we do a really quick breakdown on the infinite banking concept? Of course. I don't yeah. think that is something that our listeners have heard, have heard of yet. Yeah, absolutely. So, so there's things we do in our financial lives that, um, you know, are, are necessary and sometimes we're not doing them efficiently. So for example, storing and growing wealth for the family. So there's an aspect of, of our finances that need to be in a very liquid safe place. So it's your emergency funds for the family. You know, a lot of times people will say six months of income 
uh, you know, is, is held back in case you lose your job, in case you have expenses that aren't covered by someone else um, in the family. And then if you have properties, there's going to be principal interest tax and insurance required to be held back before they'll give you another loan. For a while, it's, you know, six months worth of that stuff. But then it kind of goes down when you get more and more properties. But still, it's, it's you know, tens of thousands of dollars that have to be sitting on the sidelines or they won't give you more, more loans, right? right. Um, and it's prudent to do it anyway. So if you're funding these things out of cash and you don't have extra cash sitting around, I mean, you could have to sell your properties at a fire sale if, you know, if you have to get money um, and it's, you know, it's not accessible. So property reserves. And if you're running a business, business reserves. So there's this liquid money that's got to be out there. Um, and where are you going to store it? Like I used to store mine. Um, I used to convince myself that I stored it in my thrift savings plan or my 401k or my IRA or my brokerage account, right? Like I, I met with a client just uh, yesterday and he had his, he had two accounts that were like safe money and, and um, play money. And I was like, tell me about the safe money. He's like, oh, well, that's the money that uh, I would use if I needed it. And I'm like, but it's in stocks. Like, how is that? So, you know, it's understanding what's safe and what's not safe. And there's a portion right. that we will, if we're prudent, we'll keep in a safe place. And you're probably also putting money that, um, that you need in the near future in that location. So you're saving up money for the next down payment in a checking account or for your next vacation in a checking account. So there's other money that's liquid for other reasons. And then, you know, most people do that in a savings account or checking account, which it doesn't earn much now. I mean, you can get a percent and a half in some places like online bank accounts. Right. Um, but life insurance, it turns out, is an asset that enjoys taxation. Life insurance was around before the tax code and has been grandfathered in as essentially a tax-free asset. I mean, I, I think the CPAs would tell me I have to say it's tax uh, advantaged or tax deferred, but everyone I know has operated it tax-free throughout their lives. And um, you're, you're able to access the value of it in there by borrowing against the policy, pledging it as collateral, or physically withdrawing it, some of it. Um, but it grows on the order of 4 to 5% maybe tax-free in this zero interest rate world. And in higher interest rate worlds, it has historically done still, you know, 3 or 4% better than a savings account. Right. While providing life insurance already factored in there and privacy and protection and just a lot of benefits. Um, but just thinking about it as a place to store and grow cash, it's far more efficient. Um, I don't downplay the side of life insurance. I, have, I had little kids when I started mine. Most of my clients and most of your listeners have little kids. Um, life insurance is the only thing, permanent um, whole life insurance is the only thing that will guarantee that what you intend to happen for your family is going to happen. So right. this vehicle that we're really using and have in place because it's a bank also brings life insurance already, you know, factored into that performance or that cost. And, you know, if I die tomorrow, I know that my family will have a, a tremendous future. I plan to make that future happen for them, but it's going to happen regardless of whether I'm here or not. And there's not any other vehicle on earth that will do that for you. But again, let's go back to the cash side, right? So you have this place that you store liquid cash and it's available. There's, you know, $30,000 in there or $300,000 and you find a property you want to, you want to purchase, right? So you go through the normal process of getting the conventional loan or commercial loan, however you're buying it. And then um, it comes to the down payment side. So you can go to the insurance company and you can say, hey, I would like to borrow $20,000 from you guys to, to be the down payment on this property. And you don't even have to go to that much. You just say, I want to borrow $20,000. Please put it in this account. And they do that. 
And then you use that money, the money they gave you to fund the down payment or go on vacation or whatever it's for. Uh, you don't have to go through a, you know, a credit check or any other kind of loan application process. Right. And you don't have to set up when you're going to repay it. Cause the reasons, because they're not looking at the asset you're borrowing it for, like the normal bank is, you know, they're not looking at the house and how worthy it is or your paycheck and how worthy that is. They're just looking at the cash that you have in your policy. And that's the collateral in this case. Right. So, you know, there's a lot of math behind why uh, it's better than just putting the down payment inside there. Um, but there's a lot of benefits to doing it. And I think almost everyone I've showed this to and walked through, I got tons of videos that people, you know, I've handed out to people to take a look at. It's pretty compelling. I think when you, when you go and actually take a look at it, it is, it is really compelling. And, and I thank you so much for breaking it down for us because this is something that I know a lot of people are going to be asking about. I mean, yeah, you get some yeah. questions in our Facebook group, uh, but it's nice to have someone who's invested with it. Yeah. And, and I want people to make their decision on their own. You know, I'm, I'm not going to be that high pressure person. Um, I'm, you know, God's graced me with being a very, very busy person in this world, in this business, in the four years I've been doing it. So I'm not going to, you know, beat somebody's uh, door down. But what I will do is, is provide whatever resources I can. I got a ton of videos. Um, I have, you know, written stuff, whatever, however people like to learn. Happily, you know, share my experience show how my policies perform, how my real estate performs, whatever, whatever they want. I mean, I'm very passionate about getting military people, um, you know, the resources they want and also put them on a good path. Put them on a good path. And, you know, it's, and it's just information because, yeah. you know, in the military, we're so comfortable with our SGLI, right? And it's term. And as soon as you get out, it's done, right? I mean, yeah. there are, there are certain benefits that you can get if you, uh, continue on now. I think they have um, a veteran one that you can pay into a little bit and it's not as much coverage, but it's a little bit. And, yeah. um, but at the same time though, it's still, it's, it's terminal, right? And yeah. So yeah. Just understanding the difference between term life insurance, and whole life insurance, yeah. the value that you can bring to the table and for your family and for, for your life with whole life insurance. It's huge. Um, uh, and as a matter of fact, you might as well talk about that. Do you mind breaking down like the difference between term and whole real quick? Uh, just sure. I might not know. Yeah, yeah, sure. So term insurance, um, I have a bunch of it. I love this stuff. It's for a completely different purpose. Its purpose is to very inexpensively push um, risk at the insurance company. It's just like car insurance and health insurance or any other thing where you can, uh, for a very small amount monthly or annually, um, say, listen, you take this risk. I realize it's a completely um, unlikely event that I would die at a young age, but um, it's possible. And if it happens and I'm funding it, um, my family's bankrupt. If it happens and the insurance company's funding it, well, there was 10,000 other people like me that didn't happen to that are going to continue to pay premiums. And, and so that's how they stay safe with life insurance is pooling that risk among hundreds of thousands of people and they can handle the one-off. When it happens to me and I'm self-insuring, unquote, um, which means I'm not insured, um, then that means I'm bankrupt. So it's a good way to push risk to somebody else. And I love term insurance. In fact, I've maximized you know, how much in insurance they will, there's a max amount of insurance you can actually get in life. And it's based on kind of age and income and net worth, but I push it to that level. All because right. 
you know, I don't know when, you know, I'm 50. So, you know, I don't know when uh, right. the next mole I have taken off, they'll be like, oh, you know what? That thing was cancerous, but we got oh, it. No. You know, right. And the insurance company is going to say, well, you know, for seven more years, we're not going to talk to you. Um, so I love term insurance and I think it's great, but it's not a way to grow wealth. It's like car insurance in that, I mean, okay, USAA does have a subscriber savings account and I love it. Uh, but in general, car insurance and health insurance, there's not much to show for it at the end of the year once you've paid that premium, right? And the same thing with term insurance. Whole vehicle, it's intended to be permanent and it's a savings account, it's a savings account with benefits. So it is about growing cash value um, and it's something that does not get expensive in old age. It's going to be there for the rest of your life unless you decide to get rid of it. And, you know, there's a lot of people out there that would buy it from you, just like buying your bank note from you because it's a financial asset. It's got a lot of value and it's a guaranteed product. So, yeah. you know, is it likely that I die with my term insurance in place? Gosh, I hope not. And in fact, 99.5% of the time it doesn't happen. Um, is it likely I'm going to die with my whole life insurance in place? Well, I mean, the chance that I was going to die before age 50 was pretty low. The chance that I'm going to die after age 50, pretty high. Right. So, you know, so yeah, it's going to happen if I keep it in place. Amen. Amen. That's so true. Do you mind offering real quick advice for those who might be interested in, in taking advantage of something like this? Sure. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So the easiest way to grab me is or to find to ask me or contact me so that I can, you know, send you videos and um, my little ebook and that kind of stuff is is just to go it's just my name. So garypinkerton.com and gary at garypinkerton.com is the email. Um, there's a little ebook on on that website. It's not the most exciting website in the world, but I'm working on it. Uh, and and you you can find me there. Um, you can you know I think you'll probably put in the show notes um, that email address, or you can happily put my cell phone or anything like that in there. Um, I'm really passionate, as I said, probably a dozen times on this show about helping helping military. However, I can you know I I have a lot of friends that are captains of industry, and if you go back to the you know every the mission statement of every service academy out there talks about you know, leaders in command, citizenship, and government, right? And I really, really believe in America and that the American dream is alive and that our constitution meant something. And I believe also that we have a duty to, to lead in industry and government as members of the military, um, certainly, certainly the officers who went through those academies. And I want to help enable that. You know, there, there's some statistic out there that there are are more uh, Marines um, served Marines in charge of major companies than any other group out there. And it doesn't surprise me at all. You know, I've worked with a lot of those guys, um, but right. I think it's true for, for most um, military leaders. And I'm talking about anybody who's like above an E3. Um, you know, we know stuff about leadership and we're driven to help others around us. And so I want to help enable that. Right. So I don't want somebody caught in a corporate job that they didn't really fit, but it helped supplement the rest of their, their retirement income that they, you know, they gave up when they, when they retired, but they're not inspired about it. Right. I want people to be able to launch from their service. They've done enough time, you know, helping others and, and, you know, leaving their family. Let's launch into something that they're inspired to do and that will help others around them because we all win that way. Right. So I think you asked me about um, (laughs) how to contact me, garyfingerton.com, but that's what I'm about. And I'll help anyone as much as I can. No, that's awesome, Gary. And and we absolutely know that. That's why we're so excited to have you on the show. And guys, really can't stress it enough. Gary's an amazing guy. You need to go and pick this man's brain. 
literally about anything, but <laughs> about this because it's an awesome topic. And and if it's cool, we'd love to bring you on again another time just to kind of deep talk dive, more detail about it. Really talk more detail and nice like strategies because this is something that is a game changer, guys, and it will absolutely help impact your life, your future wealth. This is one of those strategies that you really implement to build generational wealth, right? To yeah, those lines down the road—it's crazy. Yeah, that is definitely worth. Uh, so it's probably worth a, a podcast to talk the details of that, but it's absolutely worth one to talk legacy and multi generational wealth and how to set up our kids for success. Right. I mean, one of the one of the primary reasons I left the military was to was to help that entrepreneurial fire that I had going, but it was mainly to get back connected with my oldest son Jake, who is now 17, but at the time, you know, it was 12, 13. And, um, you know, I just, I've been away from it way too long. And, and, and I think back to my childhood, I was around my dad 24 seven, just by virtue of having to work on the farm. And, you know, so I saw I wasn't doing that. And so I'm, I'm very inspired also about family legacy. And there's a lot we can learn from wealthy families who take the time, have the time because they've set up their life, right. But they take the time to educate their children about finances, about finances and, you know, in life. Um, I'm super inspired about that. And I have, I'm working with a buddy actually on a, on a business that we think is going to be able to um, help the, the middle-class American families get a long way down that road about trusts and, and legacy and family and um, just give them tools for free to help them out doing that. Amen. Amen. Gary, this has been absolutely amazing. I got to say, this is <laughs> one, of, one of my favorite podcasts here. This is awesome. Uh, but, um, but thank you so much again for the wisdom that you've shared. Uh, I've got three final questions for you, if that's okay. It sounds good. Bonus round. So first question, what's your favorite book? My favorite book. So Atlas Shrugged. <laughs> because when, right. you, uh, when you get to Galt's Gulch, that to me is the epitome of, of America, where we ought to be. And that's where I'm trying to take us. Okay. Atlas Shrugged, right? Atlas Shrugged by Ayn Rand. Yeah, it's a big book. It's not a small undertaking. Ooh, all right. Well, guys, there will be a link to that in the show notes, assuming they've uh, downloaded enough of those pages <laughs> and put it in digital print. Um, awesome. Well, who is your biggest hero and why? Uh, my dad. We've talked about it. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, personal time between parents and children. There's, there's a picture out there that used to haunt me and now it inspires me. And I don't know exactly what it says, but it's this little kid uh, who's in blue jeans with his hands in his back pockets looking at a lake. Uh, and it's, you know, it's essentially, it's, it's like, um, I'm going to totally butcher this, but um, the, the toys that you have, the, the position you rise to in business and the amount of money in your bank account will matter not when you pass from this earth, but the difference you've made in a child can make all the difference in the world. So yeah, my dad understood that. Maybe it was just out of, you know, maybe it's just out of need where, where we were in that world. But um, yeah, my dad. Awesome. Awesome. Outstanding. I believe that. And uh, got to be an incredible guy. Um, yeah. Question number three is um, if you could give, I mean, you've already given us a lot of nuggets. Of wisdom, <laughs> but if you could break down three things to give to those who are just getting started, what would you, uh, what would you tell them? Yeah. So surround yourself with a team. Uh, of people. I call it, uh, well, my buddy calls it the, the C-suite, you know, and that comes from corporations where you have like the chief financial officer, chief investment officer, you know, right. so you, your people. So in a real estate world, it's going to be your, your mortgage guy, your, in my, I believe your insurance guy or your protections guy, um, your, 
um, your insurance person, I'm sorry, your, your property insurance person, your mm -hmm. CPA, and maybe an attorney, depending on how big, it, how big your, your operation is. So surround yourself with a team. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, the, the three things, right? So, um, network again, we're surrounding with a team, but maybe those people you're not real intimate with, but you will need to be intimate with, um, people who are going in the direction you want to go, not in the direction that you currently are or in a place you're coming from. So even if it just means go to a meetup group in your local town and just talk to people about what you're trying to do to get reinforcement that you're not that weird, because when you step into a new place in life, you're going to feel weird. Uh, and you're going to be weird. You're, I mean, you're going to be weird if you're still going to the same water coolers and talking to the same people. Um, I, I remember walking out when I was at the Naval Academy and there's this big conversation about mutual funds and 401ks and, and uh, about getting out of debt and everything. And they asked me what I thought. And I said, you know, the funny thing is I was just, I just spent an hour over lunch reading about how to get into more debt. And they all looked at me like I was crazy and didn't join me in the conversation and kind of ostracized myself for that. But it was actually almost intentional because I realized if I continue to be in conversations like that, I'm going to stay on that path and I'm going to not leap. Um, and then, so the, the third thing is work on yourself because you are your number one best asset. You always will be. We look at, um, you know, our income in the military and our retirement and we say, those are assets in my life, but they're not. The asset in your life was your ability to be the officer or the, the, senior, the enlisted individual that was worthy of paying that money to. Like the fact you didn't get kicked out and that you got continued to get promoted um, and they, they accepted your enlistment, re-enlistment re when you did it is because you added value. And when you went off to get you know, a higher degree or, or you um, got a fitness instructor so you could stay within the requirements, right? That added value and, and, you know, to the one asset that will always be most important in your life. And that's you. So spend money on yourself, improving yourself and with your family. If I could add a third one, you know, or fourth one, uh, yeah. focus on your family, spend time with the family. My, my very close friend and a mentor when it comes to family relations says he, he started a, a, a website called 18 summers, 18 summers.com. And it's, it basically means you get 18 summers with your kids. And then after that, you're asking their permission to hang out with them. But you get 18 wow. summers and influence your children. And don't waste them. Wow. That's, <laughs> that's real. <laughs> that is absolutely yeah. real. Goodness, man. All right. Well, thank you so much again, Gary. Really appreciate that. It's, it's been amazing and a lot of good notes. I hope all of you guys have been taking notes. And if you haven't, make sure you re-listen to this again and take some notes because... A lot of good, uh, good information and good wisdom here. And Gary, I can't wait to have you back on the podcast again. I look forward to it. It's been a tremendous pleasure. It's yeah. been very similar to every time that one of you guys from Activity Passive Income have come onto my my um, my podcast. And it was funny. There was a period of time right before um, Tim Kelly came on as the first member of the Dominoes that that have that have fallen here. Uh, mm -hmm. And and I was at this kind of low point where I couldn't find really good people that were a perfect fit for my, my podcast, but it's just like a, a really good mating. So I really look forward to, um, you know, future, future times being on yours and, and you guys being on ours. I think we can do a lot more absolutely, together. Absolutely. Absolutely. Looking so forward to that. All right. Awesome. Well, thank you, my friend. Take care. Incredible. That was awesome. Thank you so much, Gary, for your amazing insight and wisdom on the show. And thank you guys for listening, whatever you guys are doing out there. If you haven't hit subscribe yet, you need to because we are bringing awesome folks on the show. I don't know how many times I have to say it. Man, 
Also, make sure that you check out www.activitypassiveincome.com to see what your team has in store for you because we've got so many awesome things. Make sure you click the link below to register for the Military House Hacking event. If you're on the East Coast, you don't want to miss it. And uh, hey, if you're ready to get started, we're ready to help you out. So make sure that you join our priority, our Start the Spark, or our Rapid Deploy waiting list so we can get you the help that you need and get you to succeed here. 2019 it is almost over. Don't miss it. <laughs> You'll sleep on it. All right. I'm out of here, y'all. Bye.